Let's turn in our Bibles to the book of Proverbs, chapter 10. Studying the book of Proverbs topically on Sunday morning, if you're with us this morning and you are without a Bible, just flag these guys coming up the aisle right now and they'll get a Bible into your hands marked to the passage we're studying today so that uh, you can follow along hearing the word but reading it as well. And if you don't have a Bible, we want everybody to have the, a Bible. God wants everybody to have and know a bi- the Bible. Make that a gift from him to you today. Just a single verse this morning. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 7. The memory of the righteous is blessed, but the name of the wicked uh, will rot. And let's pray. Father, our hearts and the hearts of the whole world are um, turned to Israel presently and our hearts are broken by what has happened, the bloodshed and innocent lives and um, people living in peace to be attacked in this way and and, uh, the ideologies and the mindsets and the prejudices that are behind all of it, everything heartbreaking so much loss of life. Think about the hostages that have been taken and um, the emotion uh, that the nation of Israel feels right now for those hostages and their families. And we pray that you would protect them, Lord, and that you would deliver them. We pray for you to give wisdom to all of the leaders that are involved in all of this. And Lord, it is a fool's game to try and destroy Israel. You have eternal plans related to them, much of which you fulfilled in providing the scriptures to us through them, providing us with our Savior, the Savior of the whole world, and yet there's more. And so we ask that you would brood over all of this, give wisdom, uh, bless, Lord. We pray also for the protection of the innocents in the Gaza Strip, the Palestinians that have no interest at all in an ongoing and everlasting war with the Jewish people. They just want to eat and they want to work and they want to raise their families, but they're caught as so many people are caught uh, powerless with the uh, moves of their government and uh, the lies and the follies that they can follow so often and is followed today. So you know, you can pick out, you know every person by name, you know every hair on their head, you know exactly what to do in each life and in the totality of the situation, and we trust in you to do that. And Father, we thank you that we have your word to turn to, something that is unshakable and immovable, We thank you that we have the privilege of living life under your wisdom and to be able to enjoy the blessing of that life. We pray that as we turn to this subject this morning that you would speak to each of us individually and personally on this subject that you have included in your book of Proverbs, this book of wisdom. We pray for this work of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. This morning in our topical series through the book of Proverbs in a series entitled Timeless uh, Wisdom, we want to consider the subject of legacy. 
and uh, specifically to consider our own individual uh, legacy. A legacy speaks of something that is passed on, something that is passed on uh, from one generation uh, to the next generation or from one individual to uh, another individual. It can take the form of money, it can take the form of financial assets, it can take the form of a person's faith, uh, a person's character, uh, a person's values, uh, their example for how they have lived their life. It can take the form of a godly heritage. And in our Bible passage, through Solomon, the Holy Spirit reminds us that each of us are going to leave a legacy one day when we die. Everyone who has ever lived in human history has left a legacy. Everyone who will ever live in human history will leave a legacy. And that is that each of our lives will be remembered after we die and that each of our lives are going to live on in the memory of others after we die. I have officiated and I have attended many, many funerals in my lifetime, memorial services, uh, far more than most people. Uh, I know a lot of people and uh, it's also part of my calling as a pastor. I think that uh, funerals are very, very educational uh, events. First, every funeral teaches the living that death is coming to us. It is tenaciously and it is doggedly uh, hounding uh, each of us. And because it is, it has to be prepared for. And it is something that has to be prepared for both physically and spiritually. Second, every funeral teaches that every person in this world is going to leave a legacy behind when we die. It's not a matter of uh, if a person does, uh, they always do. The question is only whether the legacy we leave behind will be a good legacy or whether it will be a bad legacy. Everyone is remembered uh, for something. Everyone is remembered as something. When in a memorial service, a person or several people get up to share what we call eulogies, they get up to share something personal about uh, their departed loved one or family member or friend, they will share how this person has influenced their life in some uh, way. And I would suspect that a good portion of the people in the room, upon hearing these things, or maybe on the drive home after hearing uh, these eulogies, uh, that they will personalize it and to begin to think and to realize that one day people will be attending their memorial service and then to wonder further, what will they say about me at my memorial uh, service? What will I be remembered for? And what people will say about me and what I'm remembered for is my legacy. I think it's a sobering thing to realize, first of all, that our lives will be remembered by others 
for the rest of their lives. And then second, that the influence of our lives will outlive us. Uh, The influence of our lives will live on uh, in and through the lives of others. And certainly I think on a carnal level, uh, almost everyone wants to be remembered for good as opposed to uh, bad. And, uh, but deeper than that, it makes us really stop and think about what kind of influence our lives are having upon uh, others. To stop and think about what is the influence of my life upon my family, uh, upon my spouse, upon my children, upon my uh, peers or my fellow students or friends or neighbors. And there's nothing wrong with living our lives uh, with that as a, uh, a, I wouldn't say concern in our life, but as a, uh, uh, giving some thought to that related to our uh, lives. Having that be a part of our mindset I think that thinking about our legacy, thinking about uh, the effect of our lives upon other people, it does something necessary in us. Uh, It is to live life maturely. It is to live life responsibly as opposed to just living life immaturely, irresponsibly, and selfishly, and no concern for the impact of my life upon others, either now or later, uh, something that is uh, quite um, nurtured, that level of selfishness within, uh, within our culture. And thus Solomon here, and really funerals everywhere, uh, teach and remind us of these things that are virtually ignored everywhere else in much of the culture. Uh, Very often at a memorial service, someone will make the statement concerning someone who has uh, passed on, and they will say, I know that so-and-so continues to live on uh, inside of each of us. And this is the very truth that they're communicating, this realization that the influence that we have upon people, whether for good or for bad, that uh, a life never is finally extinguished when the life dies, but our lives do live on in others. And here Solomon also reminds us that our legacy after death is being entirely written by the life that we live now, presently. Uh, After all, what is a memory or remembrance uh, but the byproduct of a life that uh, once lived? And so it is during uh, our lifetimes that we establish that legacy, that influence. And so for each of us, at the moment of our death, our legacy will cease uh, being written. Uh, we will cease to be uh, present physically in this world, and we will become nothing more uh, than a memory, nothing more than the memory that we leave in uh, other people. Uh, Robert Murray McShane understood this. Uh, he was only 28 years old when he died in 1843, and famously, he wrote uh, in one of the um, 
installments in his diary live so as to be missed uh, when dead. And Robert Murray McShane did, and when he died at that young age, uh, he certainly was missed. I mean, his impact for Christianity in Scotland was so great that the entire nation uh, lamented at the silencing of this man's voice for God and his example uh, for the Christian life that that had come uh, to an end. And this isn't just true of pastors or Bible teachers, but it's true of each of us as Christians. Notice, too, that our legacy will be determined not supremely uh, by our wealth or by our power or by our title or by our uh, accomplishments in and of themselves. Our legacy will be determined by our character. That is, that is what people will remember most uh, about us. I never, when you hear eulogies at church and people talking, they're always, they're not talking about the accomplishments, the degrees, what university the person graduated from, the business that they started, what their net worth was when they died. They talk about what the relationship, what this person's character meant to them and produced within uh, within them. And uh, the contrast here is very, very simple in our passage. It is a contrast in terms of character between the righteous and the wicked. It has entirely to do uh, with our character. And, and again, this is born out of the eulogies that we hear so often at a service. Almost everyone focuses on the person that this was, uh, their character, and again, their influence. It, it is also amazing how um, death and how time will distill a person's life and a person's legacy down uh, to one or two sentences uh, within, within our, our minds. Uh, when we uh, talk with people about someone who has died uh, some years ago, and, uh, and some time has passed, except in the very closest uh, relationships in life, uh, we will end up encapsulating that person's life in no more than one or two sentences. She was the kindest person I ever knew. Uh, he was always there when I needed him. Uh, he wasted his life. Uh, she was a grief to everyone who ever uh, knew her. Even in the New Testament, or the Old Testament, when God assessed the ministries of each of the kings uh, that ruled over Israel and then over uh, Judah, and that uh, uh, encapsulation of their lives and of their ministries as kings is remarkably simple. And all of it had to do with their character. God would either encapsulate their lives in one of three ways. He did what was right in the sight of God. He did what was right in the sight of God except, or he did that which was evil in the sight of uh, God. And so when Solomon declares that the 
ultimate encapsulation of our lives is going to be based upon our being uh, either righteous or being wicked, based upon whether we're a good person uh, or we are a bad person, uh, someone might uh, wonder, will the assessment uh, really end up being that simple? And the answer generally is, yes, it is. The memory of the righteous, that is, the memory of the good person uh, that they were and the good things they did, Solomon tells us, is blessed. But the memory of them is uh, not only is it a blessing to their name, uh, that they lived in such a way as to leave that kind of a legacy, but it provides a blessing uh, and a blessed memory uh, in, in every person that knew them and, and that will outlive them. A, to make our name and our memory a blessing in another person's life is to give that person a tremendous gift uh, in, in life. And we know it. We don't have to take Solomon's word for it alone to believe it. We know it because others have done it for us. We all have such people in our lives who have influenced us in this uh, way. He tells us flatly that the name or the memory of the wicked will rot. Well, what in the world is that intended to communicate? And uh, their reputation will be like uh, rotting wood and literally uh, being eaten by worms. In other words, that legacy is useless. Uh, that legacy is repelling and is of no value uh, at all. And it's very strong language. The name of the wicked will rot. And again, it's intended to drive home the point to each of us that we're going to be remembered. And after this life, we will, each of us, lose control uh, uh, and, uh, or influence over how it is that we will be uh, remembered. That influence only occurs in our lifetimes and based upon our character. Once we are gone, that legacy is set. Well, that then raises the question of how does one leave a legacy that's a blessing to others as opposed to a legacy that is a tragedy? A uh, tragedy not only in the person who lived and left such a legacy, uh, but a tragedy in the memory of everyone who knew them. And of course, the, the question is most important to the Christian, and how does a person live a life of influence for God and influence for uh, good long after we are uh, dead and gone into heaven? And Solomon encapsulates it in a single word in our passage, how to leave a godly legacy, and he encapsulates it in the word righteous. It is found in living a life that is righteous as opposed to unrighteous. And righteous on the basis of God's definition of righteousness and how it is that we are called, uh, certainly as Christians, we are called to live our lives 
God providing us with the will to do, the motivation to do, and the power to do, the strength to do, to live a life that leaves this kind of of a uh, legacy so that our words and our thoughts and our actions and our decisions and so forth are righteous as defined in his word. And as we just live a life growing in our relationship with the Lord, endeavoring in the power of the Holy Spirit to live it uh, righteously, then the legacy takes care of itself. Uh, The legacy writes itself. Everything comes out of Uh, living this life of simple obedience uh, to God. And it really is very simple, isn't it? You would think that um, to leave a good legacy, that there would be some really long list of things that I would go on for hours and hours and hours, or Solomon would in the book of Proverbs, and that it's very, very complicated, and look at it from this angle, and look at it from that angle, and uh, it really isn't. It comes down to just simply uh, living a righteous life in the power of the Holy Spirit. I like how uh, King David answered this question in his own life, uh, in his own old age. In fact, they are among his final words that are recorded for us before his death in the scriptures. You think about all that David experienced, King David did uh, in his life. Uh, The slaying of Goliath. Uh, the running for 10 years from this jealous madman that was the first king uh, of Israel, King Saul, and uh, his friendship with Jonathan, uh, wearing the mantles of a prophet and a king, uh, being the sweet psalmist of Israel as God described him, uh, having uh, experienced the betrayal of men over and over in his life, and including the betrayal of his son Absalom late in his life. All of the shame and all of the guilt associated with his own failures and his own sin and what it was like to then receive God's forgiveness and restoration following his uh, sin. He knew what it was to walk with God in his youth, to walk with God in his middle age, what it was to walk with God in his old age. And on and on you can go and thinking about David, and it it seems like he lived uh, four lifetimes. And, uh, And we wonder... How in the world would someone like David uh, answer the question, how does one live a life that is an influence for God and for good long after uh, we are gone? And we would think, surely it's going to take chapters and chapters and chapters in the Bible to record everything that David would say in this regard uh, immediately before uh, his his, uh, death Uh, but it doesn't. He answers the question in a single verse. In 2 Samuel chapter 23, verse 3, he said, the God of Israel said, the rock of Israel spoke to me, and he who rules over men must be just, literally righteous, ruling in the fear of God. Whoever lives, and and you don't have to be a king to take this into account. No Christian is to be a follower in this life. Every Christian is to be one who is intent upon influencing this world for God and uh, intent upon being a light and a leader 
uh, spiritually in this world. Uh, And that's even more important of a call than to be a king over a nation. But he said that we must be just, literally righteous, ruling in the fear of the Lord. And he encapsulated it in two things. First, a person has to be righteous just to simply obey God's commandments and then to walk in the fear of the Lord. And the fear of the Lord being having this deep, awesome respect for God and who he is and uh, that produces a motivation in our lives to then obey his, his commandments. You would think that the longer a person walks with God and the longer that they are a Christian, the more complicated the Christian life uh, would get. But it isn't true. The fact of the matter is it gets simpler. It always distills down to just a couple of things in a person's mind. You ask any Christian who has walked with the Lord and uh, they have walked the walk and they have talked the talk for 30 years, for 40 years, for 50 years, for 60 years, for 70 years, and, uh, and like David, their answer will include uh, less than a handful of things. A godly legacy is not complicated. It is to uh, have due respect for God, and then to uh, obey him. And what that tells us, the hope that it infuses in our lives, what it tells us is that a good legacy and a godly legacy is not beyond the reach of any of us. And that's important for us to understand. It infuses hope in our lives that this is actually possible for, my, uh, for our lives, which brings us to our uh, final couple of thoughts. The greatest legacy that a person can ever have is to have our names and our lives uh, and our identities associated with Christ when we die. It is a blessing when we live, uh, while we live, and it is a blessing to others when we are gone. You remember Jesus when he sent out the 70, 70 of his disciples to go out and to preach the gospel. He gave them power and authority to cast out demons and to heal people and so forth. And they came back at the end of their uh, season of ministry and they began to tell Jesus, we cast out demons and we're bossing demons around. And I mean, they're all excited about all this kind of stuff. And, and uh, Jesus brought it all into perspective. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. And behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by, in, by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in uh, heaven. As important as it is to have a good name among the right kind of people in this life, the most important legacy that a person can ever have uh, because the consequences are eternal is how 
we are viewed by God in heaven. And how we are viewed by God in heaven has everything to do with what we do with his son in this life of ours, this lifetime uh, of, of ours. Whether we trust in Jesus for the forgiveness of our sins and then are uh, received and accepted by God, or we reject the salvation that God has offered in his son, we disgrace Jesus, we disgrace his uh, death, his burial, and his resurrection, uh, and, and then we find ourselves righteously rejected by God. The Apostle Paul, uh, or uh, uh, the Apostle John put it this way, he said, he who believes in the Son has everlasting life, and he who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. And if you have never ever trusted in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins uh, this morning, then the necessity for you uh, to be able to have the legacy that you will want to have in this life, but then to have the eternal legacy uh, that you will want to have, then the importance of trusting in him uh, Jesus for forgiveness this morning and being born again by the Holy Spirit. And when I come to God and I say, God, I accept your assessment of me as a sinner. I've been less than perfect all of my life. And I have come to realize that you are so holy and so perfect, and I wouldn't want to change that about you, God, that but one sin in my life separates me from a relationship with you. And so here I am. But I believe that you loved me so much that you sent your very son to die on that cross as the full and satisfying payment for my sins, that he was buried and he rose again on uh, the third day. And I choose today to put my trust in him for the forgiveness of my sins God will come into your life by the Holy Spirit and you'll be born again. You will experience a spiritual birth that is every bit as real as a, the physical birth that each of us have, have experienced. And when that happens, then uh, we get things right in terms of our legacy related to God and related to heaven. Then our earthly legacy uh, will take care of itself. I want to close this morning by considering uh, the unique opportunity that Christ gives us to build a good and godly legacy uh, going forward in this life. Uh, despite any sin in our past, uh, despite any failure, any kind of wickedness in our past. And again, when we're born again, we experience this spiritual birth, and the Bible teaches that when a person is born again, we become a new creation. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become brand new. God gives every single person a brand new start when we trust in Jesus for, uh, for uh, uh, salvation. 
And I have found that people generally recognize this about uh, the God of the Bible, whether they're Christians or whether they're non-Christians. And that's when a person becomes a Christian, there's a recognition, maybe it's because of our godly heritage, maybe it's not true in the rest of the world, but I think it's generally true here. Uh, there is the rejoicing on the part of other Christians when a person becomes uh, a, a, a Christian, and there's a, that excitement about it, and it is why a non-Christian family and friends can react uh, despondently. They'll say something like, oh, they've been born again, or oh, no, now they've become a, a Christian. And why is the reaction so strong uh, when, uh, when that occurs? It's because for all of the hypocrisy that maybe they have seen in the body of Christ, they have seen God uh, do this uh, often enough and to change lives often enough and to give people a fresh start often enough and to make them into an entirely different person often enough that they realize that this probably means that you are never going to be the same person you once were and now they've lost their partner in crime or their partner in, in sin. And so no matter how much we've messed up our lives, no matter how much we have blown a good legacy uh, with anyone else thus far in in life, all of that can change. God really does give us a new identity, make us into a new creation, and this makes us into a work of art that is so beautiful for his glory that the reality of the spiritual birth is undeniable to uh, uh, to people. We think in this regard about the Apostle Paul. Hunted down Christians, hunted them down like they were animals, hunted them down as an animal, an animal-like frenzy, and arresting people for simply being Christians and doing it in the name of God. And then imprisoning them, consenting even to uh, their death before he became a Christian. But is that how we remember uh, him and how he's remembered by us and by history? No, because God gave him a second chance, which Paul took by trusting in Jesus for salvation. And now his name is revered worldwide and has been for 2,000 years. Uh, years. God will never let the sins that we committed or the rotten reputation and legacy that we were busy earning before we became a Christian to ever have the final say as a legacy or remembrance ultimately concerning any of our uh, lives and uh, certainly not in heaven and not even in this life. No matter what we've been, he will come into our lives and so change our lives that our lives will then become a testimony to the love of God, to the grace of God, 
to the forgiveness of God. And that's what people will recognize related to our lives. I knew him when, but they never stopped there. Look what he is now. Look what she is uh, now. In this regard, we think of Mary Magdalene. Before she became a Christian, demon possessed by seven demons. I don't know what it is to be possessed by one demon. I don't know how you multiply it times seven. I don't know what that dynamic or what waking up in the morning feels like or putting your head on the pillow at the end of the day feels like for someone in that condition. And that's what she was before she became uh, a Christian. And now, do we remember her supremely for that? Not at all. We remember her devotion uh, to Jesus for the rest of her life after she became a Christian. We think about the prostitute who came into Jesus as he was invited into the house of a religious leader. They offered him no water related to uh, washing his feet. And she came and she bowed down before his feet and she wept over his feet. And she washed his feet with her tears, and then anointed his feet with, uh, with oil. And uh, after receiving uh, her, the forgiveness uh, from Christ, and so formerly a prostitute, and do we remember her uh, in that scene? And we think about, oh yes, it was, uh, it, it, you ever hear a sermon talking about for 45 minutes about the fact that she was a prostitute? No, you move from that immediately. And you look at the greatness of God's forgiveness, the greatness of his grace, the greatness of his love for human beings that he never gives up on anyone. And that's what she's remembered for. That's what her legacy uh, is. She became a trophy of God's grace and in order to give us hope and then that Jesus will do the same for us. And then what about perhaps some of us here this morning, uh, those of you who are prodigal sons and daughters, raised in a godly heritage, once possessing a, a godly reputation, and now you've thrown it all away. In harlotry, partying, drunkenness, riotous living, which you now deeply, deeply regret. And you can wonder, is there hope for a new and a greater legacy uh, for you? You say, sure, these other people, they gained a new legacy after becoming a Christian. I was a Christian and I blew my legacy. What happens with someone like me in that situation? And of course, we remember related to all of that how it is that the prodigal son returned to the father, came to his senses, realized the folly of his life, the wasting of his life. And now when we think about that first prodigal, we don't focus on his harlotry or his parting or his drunkenness. We focus on the love of God, the forgiveness of God, the eagerness of God, to restore uh, such a one and then to celebrate the return of such a son and daughter uh, to uh, himself. 
And so is there a, a, a new and a greater legacy for you? Uh, and uh, then the one that has been spoiled, yes. And now returning, rededicating your life to God, and now living the life that God has planned uh, for you. And God will overwhelm the former legacy and make this the final word concerning you. What about the Christian who is simply content to be on their way to heaven? And they live long days and weeks and months and years completely lukewarm and indifferent uh, spiritually. And they don't give a single thought, maybe some of us here today, not a single thought to your legacy, not a single thought to the opportunity that's been given to every Christian to let our light so shine before men that they will, and our good works, that they will glorify our Father who is in heaven. Complete indifference to, uh, to all of that. I remember a few years ago, I was um, somehow happened to be watching a, a, a Wheel of Fortune. I didn't watch the show. I don't like game shows. I don't like games. Um, but somehow I saw the, the beginning of this here, inter, introducing the contestants. And um, one contestant was being introduced, and usually when they introduce somebody, they introduce something significant about them, what their life is about, what their life accomplishments are about, and, and uh, some, uh, 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 their major interests or their uh, activities so we can have some insight into them as a person. And the host described this woman with a description that was the equivalent of she loves to sit on her couch, watch movies, and wheel of fortune. And I thought to myself, uh, that is, she is wasting a perfectly good life. And, and that is a legacy on how to waste a perfectly good life. But I have sat through plenty of memorial services for Christians who have left nothing spiritual for their loved ones to speak about in that memorial service in terms of eulogizing them in any meaningful way and to leave the pastor almost forced to ignore them in the service, in speaking about the Christian life and the necessity of being uh, born again. Nothing of their love for God, nothing of their love for his word, nothing about their prayer life, nothing about their godly reputation, nothing about their Christ-likeness or their Christian service, nothing about their godly influence upon anyone else. And it reminds us that it's possible to be headed to heaven and to largely uh, miss or fritter away the opportunity to be an influence for God right now. And if that's my condition spiritually as a Christian today, that I would leave other Christians even silenced at my service because of the lack of substance and spiritual influence related 
to my life, that's something to think about and to turn from this morning as needed. This morning, if you are not yet a Christian, we're going to be up in front immediately after the service, pastors and other men and women, and we'd love to pray with you for your sins to be forgiven and to be given a brand new fresh start by God and to enter into the life that he has for you. And he'll be eager to do that today. After all, he sent his son to pay an enormous price that that could happen personally in your life. If you're here today and you need someone to pray with or would like to about rededicating your life to the Lord in the light of uh, this legacy that Solomon talks about here, they would love to pray with you and for you as well. If you need prayer for anything in your life this morning, they'd love to pray with you uh, as well. Let's stand together now and we'll close in prayer. Father, thank you for loving us so much that you sent your only begotten Son into this world that whosoever might would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Not one day, but presently and then continuing through all of eternity. We thank you this morning as Christians who have experienced what it is that we've been talking about today, the second chance, the change, the power that you bring into our lives and the motivation to live righteously and to live in accordance with your word. And we thank you for the privilege of being able to have the legacy that we once had rewritten now by something entirely, entirely uh, new. And all of it is a witness to your grace and to your love, Lord, and to your patience and long-suffering with us. Thank you for the privilege of filling us with your Holy Spirit and giving us the privilege, Lord, to live a substantial life, a meaningful, influential life in this world for you and for the things of you and for your kingdom. And we thank you in Jesus' name, amen.